Welcome to the Hackberry House of Chosun. My name is Bob, and reading today from a book entitled Proverbs, not the one in your Bible, although it's based on that book. It was Charles Bridges who did this commentary on the book of Proverbs. Charles Bridges was a leader of the Evangelical Party in the Church of England. He died in 1869. We're on chapter 7 of Proverbs. I'd like it if you will open your Bible to that because he doesn't quote the whole passage. In fact, hardly any of the actual scripture. So you've got to read along in Proverbs chapter 7. Let's look at verse 1. The commentary says, The study of wisdom in the word of God is now commended to us with affectionate earnestness and with a variety of beautiful images. Let us ponder these valuable rules and see how we can put them into practice in our lives. Let the whole mind and heart be occupied with this. Keep it as the daily means of life. Sir Matthew Hale told his children, If I omit reading a portion of Scripture in the morning, it never goes well with me through the day. Store up my commands, we are told, not on our shelves, but in our hearts. Verse 2. Keep a jealous regard for the law. What care is necessary to guard the apple of your eye? that most tender part of the most tender part of the body. With the same care, preserve the integrity of the law. Let every part of it have its full weight. To explain it away or to lower its requirements breaks down the barrier and gives temptation an easy way in. The sensual sinner is often a covert infidel. Verse 3. Let God's commands be at hand for constant use. Bind them on your fingers. In this way they will always be in sight, so they may be ready whenever they are needed. So they can be used in a practical way. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Oh my God, this is your almighty work, but you have promised to do it for your people. In Jeremiah thirty-one thirty-three, I take hold of your covenant. Lord, seal your promised grace on me. Verse 4. Let wisdom be the object of tender affection, as a sister or a kinsman. Verse 5. Man must have the object of his delight. If wisdom is not loved, lust will be indulged. The, the Bible, therefore, not merely read but cherished, proves a sacred exorcist to expel the power of evil. Verse 6. Solomon now paints the deadly snare of the wayward wife with a master's hand and with exquisite faithfulness to detail. Verse 7, skipping to 7. A youth who lacks judgment is in the company of young people as simple as himself. Skipping to verse 9. Under the cover of twilight, he makes his way to the prostitute's house. Verse 10. There the woman comes out to meet him. Verse 11. Her dress, her intent, her loud and defiant voice, her feet, at this late hour, not staying at home, all reveal who she is. Verse 12. At every corner she lurks, waiting for her prey. Verse 13. Her brazen face shows that she has the forehead of a prostitute. Verse 14. She allures her victim with the garb of sanctity. 
She has just been engaged in special religious duties. I have fellowship offerings at home. Today I fulfilled my vows. Verse 15. She came out to meet her lover, that they might feast together. Skipping now to verse 18. They fill themselves with every indulgence. Come, let's drink deep of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. Verse 19. Her husband is not named, as that might have awakened the youth's conscience. She says, My husband is not at home. He's gone on a long journey. Meanwhile, they take their fill of love without fear of interruption. Unarmed with principle, the weakness of resolution yields to the seduction of lust, and her unsuspecting prey rushes on to ruin. Trace this sad end to its source. Was not idleness the parent of this mischief? The loitering evening walk, the late hour, the vacant mind all bring the youth into contact with evil company. Was this not courting sin and tempting the tempter? How valuable self-discipline, self-control, constant employment and vigorous activities are in keeping us from danger and preserving us under God's blessing. See also the base varnish of religion. It is often used as a cover for sin. She dared not play the harlot with man until she had played the hypocrite with God and stopped the mouth of her conscience with her fellowship offerings. That was written by another man we're following, Mr. Gurnall. It is a well-known fact that the favorite mistress of Louis the Fourteenth was so rigid in her religious duties that her bread was weighed during Lent in case she should break the austerity of fasting. The adulteress in the book of Proverbs is pictured as if she was reaping the reward for her religious observances. Beware of any voice, even if it comes from the most revered quarter, that manifestly encourages forbidden indulgence. Observe also the infatuation of the snare. Man cannot be ruined till he has been made confident to the contrary. A man must get into his victim's heart with fair speeches and promises before he can come at it with a dagger. That was from Mr. South. Thus the adulteress's flattering speech chained the young blindfolded for destruction. As the ox goes to the slaughter, unconscious of his fate, perhaps dreaming of rich pasture, or as a fool goes to the stock, careless and unfeeling, so does this poor, deluded victim rush on with pitiable mirth or indifference until an arrow pierces his liver. He is like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. What will recollection bring but the fragrance of exciting perfume, changed into the bitterness of wormwood and gall? The short night of pleasure is succeeded by the eternal night of infernal torment. A cup of pleasure is replaced by an ocean of wrath. Lastly, note the danger of venturing into temptation. Could we expect any other results when we saw the youth going toward her house? He intended merely his own idle gratification, and when he yielded, it was probably not without some struggle. But it is a just judgment that those who do not fear temptation fall. Who would avoid danger must avoid temptation to sin. 
Who would avoid sin must avoid temptation to sin, said Geyer. Self-confidence has ruined many a promising profession. Verse 24. In the hand of a licentious poet or painter, this picture might contaminate the unsanctified imagination, but as it stands on the page of inspiration, it is God's solemn warning to sons, whether in years, understanding, or experience, sons. Now then, now that you have seen the end of sin, listen to me. Verse 25, do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her paths. An impure thought, an idle look, foolish company are her ways. Dread the first step and do not imagine that you can stop yourself when you want to. Familiarity with sin weakens our abhorrence of it. Soon you will begin to love the object of detestation. Too late you will find that you have chosen her house as your home. Verse 26. Many are slain in this way. It is the Almighty's miracle of power and grace that plucks the child of God from the brink of destruction. The gospel presents only one remedy. The love of Christ counters the love of lust. If impure love solicits, remember, the holy love of thy Savior to thee, proved by his most shameful death, Think of him as looking into thy heart, boiling over with corruption, showing thee his wounds, and moving thee to a reciprocal love of himself, said Geyer. The crucifixion of the flesh, by a living union with him, will keep us from iniquity. The person who walks with God in gospel freedom and Christian discipline and watchfulness is safe. Verse 27. But if sin is not mortified by these principles, sooner or later it will break out. If it does not result as here in open disgrace, it will defile the conscience and quench the spirit and by a certain, though perhaps imperceptible course, bring the soul and body to hell, to the grave, leading down to the chambers of death. Oh... Take heed. I hope there's no one listening that's even close to what's being talked about here. But if you are, this was for you indeed. Take heed. Take heed. Thank you for being with us today. And do look around the site. We have other audios of men like this and Charles Spurgeon and just a whole bunch of guys. And some of my own teachings are there, plus persecution stories from North Korea in English and in Korean. 400 audios in Korean. We have Bible studies on a number of subjects. We've got a blog. If you like more fellowship than this, please consider buying one of my books at Amazon.com or contact me at bob.j.faulkner.72 at gmail.com and I'll share details of our Saturday evening Zoom meeting for men and our Tuesday noon meeting for men and women. Thank you so much. This is the Hackberry House of Chosun. And Lord willing, uh, we'll talk again real soon. Bye-bye.